My name is Isaac Pyle. I'm 18 years old, and uh, <clears throat> I was grew up in a Christian home, and I just always going. Uh, I always went to church, and I went through Christian school, so I just automatically assumed that I was a believer. And it wasn't until I was in junior high that I realized that I was not living my life for God, and it was there that I committed my life to Christ. And ever since then, I've wanted to become baptized, but I just always put it off until now, and I'm just doing this to show that I'm a disciple of God and how awesome He is for saving me. Hi, I'm Mackenzie Lair. I've been coming to this church for about nine years. I can't remember a time when I didn't know Christ, but I was saved when I was seven, and I've decided to become baptized. Through the challenges in my life, I've learned that if I put my faith in the Lord, anything that is laid in my path is so much easier to overcome. So I want to be baptized today to show that I am have accepted Christ as my Savior and that I'm not ashamed to follow Him. Hi, my name is Brandon Phillips and I've been coming to New Spring for about a year now. I haven't really gone to church much and then my family just we decided to go to church so now I decided to get saved and I'm ready to follow the Lord and show publicly that I'm not afraid to follow the Lord. Hi, my name is Tracy Schmidt. Um, I've been coming to New Spring for about a month now. Um, I've been, I've rededicated my life to God about a month ago. I met a couple men uh, on a sidewalk one day that called me over and witnessed to me about the Lord. From that day on, my whole life's been turned around, and uh, I love Jesus. I'm not the same guy I was. Uh, life has gotten real exciting for me. Uh, I can't wait for the next day. Uh, I go through my trials, and I have the power of Christ in my life. And because of that, because I'm thankful, I would like to be baptized, to have an open showing of my gratitude. I'm not ashamed of God, and I know this is just a, a symbol of, of that, uh, of the fact I'm not ashamed, and life's great. Why don't you stand up tonight? We welcome you to Watermark Weekend. It's awesome to see people place their, their faith in Jesus, but it's even more incredible to watch somebody say, hey, this is what happened in my life. This is what happened on the inside, and I want you to see what it looks like out here. Hey, I choose to follow you today. I choose.
today I choose. Isn't that awesome? We're so glad you're here tonight. When you came in the door, you received a worship folder and um, should have a big blue wave on it. I was going to show you a different worship folder. That wouldn't be good. Big blue wave. And uh, if you're visiting with us tonight, would you take just a minute sometime during the service and fill out the talk to us card and uh, just drop it in the uh, offering plate at the end or better yet, take it by guest services which is right outside the main doors here. And uh, we have a gift bag to give you just to tell you thanks for being with us tonight. Well, we're going to worship the Lord. I love this song. It's about the second time we've done it, I think. And it says that Jesus Christ is the glorious one. Our hands are lifted high. Our hearts are bowing reverence and we're surrounded by the glory of your presence with every
Awesome. Thanks so much. You may be seated. Tonight, you know, we're looking at uh, Believer's Baptism, and we're talking about what it means. I've already talked to you a little bit about it, and you've seen some men and women go through baptism. What an awesome step that is. I was just back there talking with them before the baptism began. I said, you know, the great thing about baptism is a lot of things have changed in the last 2,000 years, but what you guys are about to do right now is exactly what Jesus taught his followers to do. And the beat goes on. And that's what's just so awesome about tonight. But one of the things that I shared with you is that baptism does not make you a Christian. You know, some people have the idea that if they've been baptized, then they're going to heaven. Because people have talked to me and they said, well, I was baptized when I was a baby, so that makes me okay. Or I was baptized in this church, and so I know I'm going to heaven. One thing we always have to remember is that water cannot save you. It takes a liquid that's much more precious than water. But when we go to the book of Acts, there are three chapters. And, you know, the Bible is such an awesome book, the way it's put together. In Acts, there are three chapters, chapters 8, 9, and 10, that tell the story of three people coming to know Jesus Christ. And what's really cool about these three stories is that these, these three guys who came to know Jesus came from very different backgrounds. In chapter 10... The guy is a Roman centurion. He's a Roman soldier, boss, politician. He is not a Jew. He's a Gentile, Caucasian, and he comes to know Jesus in Acts 10. In chapter 9, you have a Jewish leader, and we know him as Paul, and eventually he would write about half the New Testament and take the gospel all over the world. But when we see him in chapter 9, he starts out the chapter being enemy, public enemy number one for Christianity, and then he meets Jesus and his life has changed. Well, we're going to back up tonight and look at chapter 8, which is the first one of the stories in this trilogy. And chapter 8 is the story of an African man. He comes from Ethiopia. And for our help tonight to help us understand the story, before I kind of break it into pieces, I'd like for us just to read the whole story, if I could please, for a few moments. We're going to read this from Acts chapter 8, and we're going to begin in verse 26. Um, the Bible says, as for Philip, now this is, Philip is one of Jesus' followers who is preaching and a lot of good things are happening through Philip's preaching. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go down south, down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. That's down the coastline. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia. This was a significant dude. This guy was powerful. He was smart. He was rich. And, you know, if you oversee the money of a country, you're pretty important. And this guy was. So, you know, Philip meets this treasure of Ethiopia, a eunuch, and what you should understand is that that word doesn't always mean what we take it to mean in culture, because sometimes eunuch is a, is a synonym for someone who is a public official. But in any event, this guy was a eunuch of great authority under Kandaki, queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem. That's a long trip. I mean, when you get home tonight, if you want to take a map and look at, you know, the distance between Ethiopia and Jerusalem... Take a look at that. That's substantial. And you have to understand, this guy didn't have a Lexus or BMW or anything. He was riding in a chariot. Long trip. Uh, and he, he'd gone to Jerusalem to worship, verse 28, and now he was returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, How can I accept or unless someone instructs me? 
And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of the scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. That is, a clip and a chunk out of the most Jesus chapter of the Old Testament, Isaiah 53. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And you talk about the ducks being on the pond with that question. So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Isn't that a great story? I mean, if all we did tonight was just read that story, that would be pretty awesome. But I want, to, I want you to think about five things that this Ethiopian said by his actions in the story. It, it, he may never have verbalized these things, you know, as far as his, his conversation with Philip, but surely these five comments were part of what he did in this chapter. And the first one is, I, I hear the Ethiopian say, I'm open. I'm open. Now, the reason why I know that, and like I said, if you took a map and look at how far this guy went, you would understand that he was seeking something. He was after something. He clearly was not closed in his thinking toward the truth of the Bible. What I discover is that even though this guy was wealthy, even though he was powerful and respected, and he had a parking space with his name on it, with all these things, he was still empty and he was still hungering for what he was missing in his life. I think there are millions of Americans who are in the same boat. They have the nice houses, they have the cars, they have the entertainment, they have the iPhones, they have all these things that they think are going to make them happy, but they're still hungry. But the good thing about this Ethiopian was he was not going to stop until he found out what he was missing in his life. Now, if you look at the trail that this guy had to ride on to get to Jerusalem, he had to go through Egypt. Now, Egypt had plenty of gods. Egypt was a sophisticated country in the way the world looks at things, and they had a god for everything. They had a cat god, a frog god squirrel god. They had all kinds of gods, gods for this, gods for that. And so, you know, you would have thought that if this Ethiopian was just looking for any old god, he could have just settled in Egypt and figured out and said, hey, maybe there's something here for me. But he kept riding right on through Egypt. And he rode through Philistia or Canaan because there were the gods of the Philistines who are the Canaanites who said sex is everything. You know, when we get together for worship, it's a party. And it was, and it was sexual, and it was awful. And it could just be this Ethiopian could have said, this is where I need to go, but he didn't. He kept on going because he, he knew that the gods of that region weren't going to help him at all. And isn't that where we wish everyone would be today, where they would look at the gods of this world and say, you know what, there's nothing there for me. He was still hungry. He was still open. And so finally he went to Jerusalem because he had heard that the true God lived in Jerusalem. Now tonight, I just want to say to all of you who are here, because some of you, you know, you've been in church for a long time and you sort of understand what's going on. And for others of you, you know, this baptism thing is just really kind of getting to you. You're wondering, what's this going on? And then the preacher, I just saw him push somebody underwater and thankfully he pulled him back out. And, um, and now the preacher's up there dry and I don't know what's really going on. Um, semi-dry. Still have a few spots here. That's why I wore black. Um, 
and you're saying, I, I really don't understand this. Here's the thing. All we ever ask from you is to be open. How many times have I heard someone say, well, I just don't know, but I don't like Christians because Christians are always trying to impose their religion on me. Oh, I know some people that for them, that's what Christianity means. Christianity means somebody trying to force their belief system down their throat. Could I tell you tonight, and I mean this, I would stake my soul on the truth of what I'm about to tell you. The last thing I want to do is to force anything on you. Because here's the deal. You, you can't know Christ in a forced relationship. I mean, listen to what the Bible says over and over about the way to go to heaven. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart. You know, I was reading today, it just kind of got through with the message and thought I'd do a little research. It's been a long time since I read on the Crusades. You know, in a lot of college campuses, you mentioned Christianity. Well, I don't want anything to do with Christianity because they're behind the Crusades, and they were awful. I mean, because people, you know, powers, governmental powers conducted holy wars, or actually conducted very unholy wars in the name of Christianity. And they tried to force people into their belief system. That is the cruddiest thing. has absolutely nothing to do with Jesus Christ. And here is the big thing. It would not work. If I could force you to accept Jesus, it would not save you. Because the only way it works is if it comes from your heart. That is the only way that God wants a relationship with anybody. So please understand, the last thing in the world I want to do tonight is to impose my belief system on you or to force you into anything because it just would not work. All I'm asking is that you're open. From time to time, somebody will say to me, Mark, I come to New Spring Church, but I don't believe hardly anything you're saying. Is that okay? And I'm saying, oh, is that okay? You're why I get up in the morning. I mean, you're, you're, you're what I live for. I mean, if you're here tonight and you say, Mark, I don't know if I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I don't know if there is a God. I don't know about Jesus. All I'm asking is just to be open. Because if you're truly open to God, it's very surprising what God will do to reveal himself to an open person. You know, that's really what God is wanting from you. In fact, anybody who is close to God, no matter what perspective that person comes from, will never receive anything from God. I know people who have been in evangelical churches all their lives, but they're totally close to what God wants to do in their lives. They've got it all figured out. Don't confuse them with the facts. But God can work with an open person. How do I know that? Because God whispered to Philip, go over and check that carriage out. Because God had watched this guy. I mean, God had something better than GPS. When this guy left his office, closed his door, told everybody he was going on vacation for a little while, and got in his chariot and left to make this long trip up the coastline, up through Africa, all the way to the, you know, up to, to Jerusalem. God was watching him. And God said to Philip, that guy's open. I want you to go talk to him. So the first thing I hear from him, I mean, don't you agree with me? Don't you sense this? This guy is saying, I'm open. I don't know what to believe. I don't know what I believe. All I know is the Egyptians don't have my solution. The Ethiopians don't have my solution. You know, the, you know this group of people, don't, the, the, the Canaanites don't have my answer. I'm looking for an answer, and I don't know where it is. I'm open. Well, you know, Philip gets there, and what he discovers is this guy is reading the Bible. And when he went to Jerusalem, and this is something that I don't want to, like, park here too long because I would take us off on a detour, but he had no doubt heard things about Israel that would have come from Israel, Israel's past. Because by the time he got to Jerusalem, it, the, the religion of the people there was in shambles. They had no Ark of the Covenant. There was nothing but really a shell. But he did get one thing. This is cool. He did get one thing from Jerusalem. He got a Bible. 
He got a Bible. Now, what you should understand is he did not get the same Bible that you and I have because his Bible did not have the New Testament in it. His Bible only had the Old Testament. But he got there to Jerusalem, and I don't know, maybe he went around asking everybody, can somebody here tell me how to go to heaven? And they would say, well, it's in the Scriptures. Uh, can somebody tell me how to, you know, how to know that I've got peace with God? Well, it's in the Bible. Well, I've got to get a Bible then. So the guy gets a Bible, and he's on his way home because he went to the church services there. It's an anachronism, if you'll let me have that. He went to the services there in Jerusalem. He left and didn't get anything out of it. Just like I'm guessing that some of you have been to church before and didn't get a thing out of it. And it's like, whoa, I went there hoping to get answers, and I don't have a clue what they were talking about. But he did get a Bible. And on the way back, he's reading it. And I, what, what I really find cool is this guy's reading it out loud. Man, I can't remember anything if I read it out loud. That messes me up. But Mary Alice loves to read out loud, you know? Because some people, like, when they read it out loud, they get it better. And so he's reading it out loud, and Philip hears him. And he goes over to him and says, do you understand what you're reading? And that's when I hear this guy say the second thing that is so powerful. He was saying, I can't figure this Bible out. Have you ever been there? You had a Bible, but you couldn't figure it out. By the way, that's where we come in. That's where New Spring Church comes in. For the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about New Spring Church and what we're about. Do you know, we don't want to force the Bible on anybody. We don't want to force anything on anyone. As I said a few moments ago, we don't want to do it, and even if we did, it wouldn't do any good. You know, all we want to do is, we just want to seat on your wagon. That's a fact. I mean, you're headed somewhere. All we're asking is, if you have a hard time understanding what God is saying to you, just let us have a seat at the table. Let's talk to you. We have a ministry here at New Spring called Next Step Ministry, and it's all about after you accept Jesus as your Savior, how do you, like, take the first steps? And one of the most important cogs in that wheel is called Starting Point. And next week, there's a really important orientation for Starting Point. Starting Point is just exactly what this Ethiopian was asking. He's saying, how can I make heads or tails out of the Bible? How does the Bible fit together? And if you have your, your worship guide today, and, and I'm just going to stop for a moment, if you want to, if you're interested in Starting Point, uh, all you got to do is just like get on there and, and check the box that says, I want to know about starting point, and somebody will contact you or email you this week and give you the information on uh, the orientation on how you can take that next step. Because this guy, you know, he had a Bible, but he couldn't put it together. And the Bible is a marvelous book, and it does fit together. People have the idea sometimes, and I hear this from people who don't know anything about the Bible, is that all that happened was a bunch of guys got down, sat down, and they wrote the Bible, you know. And yet, the irony for me, for anyone who could believe that, is this book is written by over 40 authors over a period of 1,600 years, and yet it tracks and it integrates with itself in perfect precision. And sometimes all you need is for someone to just step up on your, on your wagon and say, hey, you know, you got some questions here. Well, let's talk about these questions and let's see how the Bible fits together because there is a pattern here. In fact, if just simply put, and I'll get to this in just a moment, the first part of the Bible is saying, somebody's coming. Somebody's coming. Somebody's coming that you need for 4,000 years. That was the message. The human race is in trouble, but somebody's coming. And when he comes, he's going to fix all the trouble. And the other half of the Bible points back and says, he came, he came, he came. This is who he is. His name is Jesus. And that takes me to the third thing. Because the Ethiopian was reading, you know, now Philip's sitting up there on the buckboard with him, if you'll allow me that little Texas deal there. But Philip is sitting up there, you know, on, on the wagon with him. And, and so he's, he, Philip has already said, you know, I'm here. I'm, I'm here. I'm not trying to force anything on you, but you got a question? If you like, give me a seat at the table. I'll take a crack at what you're asking about. 
So the Ethiopian is reading Isaiah 57. And he's reading this part about this person who died for other people. And we don't normally think about someone dying for other people. We think about people dying because they get sick, or people dying because of crime, or people dying because they were in, you know, in warfare. But in Isaiah 53, the Bible talks about how that all the sin was put on this guy, and that he carried the sin, and that God punished him for sin. And so this Ethiopian is wondering, you know, now I'm reading in Isaiah, was this Isaiah? Was Isaiah the guy that, was, that went through all this? And he's asking Philip the third question, which is, who is this guy, Jesus? Acts 8.34, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And the Bible says at that point, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Folks, that is what New Spring Church is all about. It is telling the good news about Jesus. Man, I had the privilege last night of speaking down at the correctional facility here in Wichita. I mean, it's like God just broke out in that room. And we saw people give their hearts and lives to Christ. And, and you know, I, I just stood before them and, and read about who Jesus is and how that he carried our sins on us. And I, I, I took them to Colossians 2.14 and showed them how that when a person died on a cross, they would put the crime the person was accused of on a placard and put it over his head so that when he died and people passed the cross, they would know what he was dying for. And after he died, they would yank that placard off the cross to signify that whatever he had died for, it had been paid for. And yet when Jesus died on the cross... Roman powers didn't know what to put over his cross because he hadn't done anything wrong. And so finally, they put this. And if you ever see a, you know, a painting or portrait of Jesus dying on the cross, often you'll see the letters I-N-R-I over his head, which are Latin unseals or Latin first letters for Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. There are no J's in Latin. So I-N-R-I, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. That's all they knew how to put on his, because they couldn't find anything to accuse him of. And yet the Bible says in the book of Colossians, that's what was going on on the earth, but Jesus was not dying to satisfy man. His death on the cross was to satisfy God as a payment for our sins. And so it wasn't what people saw over Jesus' cross that mattered. It was what God saw over Jesus' cross. And what did God see? Colossians 2.14 tells us this. God saw all the rules that you and I have broken. Nailed, the Bible says, nailed to his cross. So that after Jesus died, that placard is pulled off and all the rules that you and I have broken have been paid for. That's what Philip told him about. Philip told this Ethiopian, you know what you're missing in your life? You're missing God's son Jesus who came in our world and died for you. And then he rose from the grave and he's living in heaven right now. And if you ask him, he will come into your life. There's a little five-year-old boy I heard about <clears throat> recently. His mother told me that he prayed to receive Jesus. And after he prayed, she was trying to explain to him. She said, Jesus now lives in your heart. A few days later, she, she saw him. He, he was holding his shirt out and was talking like this. And his mother said, what are you doing? He said, I'm talking to Jesus. <laughs> it's even more real than that. Because it, it, he lives inside of you when you accept him as your Savior. And that's what Philip told him. Finally, the fourth question, rather, that he asked Philip is, um, he said, what about baptism? And that's 
That's what we're talking about tonight. What about baptism? What is baptism? In just a minute, I'll be back to talk to you about the last two things the Ethiopians said, but right now, we're going we're to take a few moments and we're going to see some more baptisms because what you're going to be watching is you're going to be watching some people just like this Ethiopian who are at the stage of their walk with God when they said what this Ethiopian is saying is, I know I've accepted Jesus. What about baptism? Let's watch. My name is Margaret Schmidt, and I came here from a different denomination where I was baptized as a baby. I never really gave that much thought until after I started attending New Spring Church over a year ago. During that time, I became aware of how important it is not to be baptized until you know why you are doing it. So today, it is my honor and privilege to publicly proclaim that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Upon this, the public profession of your faith, that I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. My name's Matt Schmidt. 37 years ago, I was baptized in a Catholic church with a little sprinkle of water with just the priest and I. It wasn't until attending New Spring a little over a year ago that it started dawning on me that I've never publicly declared that Jesus Christ was my Lord and Savior. Today I wish to be baptized so that may be corrected. It's upon this, the public profession of your faith, that I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. My name is Bryce Chadwick. I've been going to New Springs since February of this year. I decided to rededicate my faith at camp uh, when I went with Clayhouse. Change was noticeable right away, too. I actually smiled, which is a big surprise because I hardly ever smile when I'm in public. I could thank God until my voice failed, and I don't think that would ever be enough. I'm getting baptized today to show that I'm not afraid to follow him and that I've accepted Christ as my Savior. Amen. Bryce, it's upon this, the public profession of your faith, that I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. My name is Jody Hebert. I've been coming to New Spring about a month and a half. Um, grew up in a Christian home. I was saved when I was 14. And then I kind of put church on, a back, on the back burner, unfortunately, for a while in my life. Um, came to Wichita, began work as a nurse, and I met my future husband, Jason, who reconnected me with church. Uh, we had both been through some rough spots in our life. Um, unfortunately, it's easy to give God the glory you know, when things are going right, but turn to him and blame him when things go wrong. Um, he helped me reconnect with Christ and begin coming to church again, and I fell in love with New Spring. You know, the first day that I was here, I knew that this would be my church, so this baptism is just to show the public that I am ready to follow Christ and accept him as my Savior. 
It's upon this, the public profession of your faith, that I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. for about five to six months. I grew up in a Christian home, uh, Christian parents, and uh, they always made me go to church even when I didn't want to go. Um, it's a blessing to have a home like that. I was saved when I was 13 years old, and uh, I remember that day like it was yesterday. This baptism uh, is showing everyone that I'm publicly um, letting everyone know that I want to live my life for Christ. Upon this, the public profession of your faith, then, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Would you stand with us and sing that? Just as I am. And waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot. O Lamb of God, I come, I come to thee, faith alone, by grace to be.
just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou didst me come to be, O Lamb of God, I to understand what God has willed, what God has planned. I only know where this right hand stands one who is my Savior. I take him at his word and Christ died to save me, this I read. And in my heart I find a need of Him to be my Savior. That He would leave His place on So 
Well, last time we heard from, you maybe see, the last time we heard from the Ethiopian was, you know, Philip had told him about Jesus, and now they were talking about baptism, and he was asking Philip, you know, they came to this oasis, and the, the Ethiopian asked Philip, what about being baptized? And I just tell you this, I really believe that for anyone who trusts and accepts Jesus as Savior, the very natural next step is going to be to follow the Lord's plan of believer's baptism. Uh, you know, here at New Spring, we don't care for religion a whole lot, and it's not that I, I I'm, you know, don't like the people in religion. I just don't like sometimes what religion does to us because what happens is, you know, God's Bible is so simple. When you give people enough time and religion enough time, it can just kind of screw everything up, you know? And, and this thing of baptism has really gotten effective because through the years, people started coming up with different ideas of baptism that are very different from the Bible. For instance, you know, hundreds of years after, after the Bible was completed, the idea is, well, what about children, you know, because if they die before they reach, you know, salvation, perhaps we better take this in, in, in our own power and start baptizing them. But that's a mistake because baptism in the Bible only happened for people after they accepted Jesus. And we've already talked about the fact that it has to be from the heart, and children are covered by the grace of God anyway, you know. And so th- that was one thing that sort of messed it up. And then they would get into places where they didn't have a whole lot of water. They said, well, maybe we'll just start like pouring water on people and we'll call that baptism. But notice the simplicity of what happens in the story with Philip because it just like tells the whole thing. Philip said, uh, this Ethiopian asked Philip, what about baptism? Now, this isn't actually part of the Bible text, but it was in, the, it was in sort of the margin of some of the earliest manuscripts. And it found its way into some translations, but really, it was just like a note in the margin. And we don't exactly know why this note is there, but in this note, according to the note, what happened was, Philip asked this guy, uh, you know, do you believe, because if you believe with all your heart that Jesus is the Christ, then you may be baptized. And the Ethiopian said, according to this little note in the margin, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now, we don't know exactly why that note was there. Maybe, you know, maybe Philip told somebody that this is what happened and, and somebody knew it and later they kind of put it in the margin because Philip said that it happened or it could have been that in the early church that that was the confession before anyone was baptized. But we do know this. We know that this Ethiopian had already made his decision for Jesus. And think about this. Listen to the language. The Bible says they both went down into the water, which means, you know, it couldn't be in a bottle because that would have been tough. But they went down into the water, and the Bible says that Philip baptized him. And then I listened to the fifth thing that this Ethiopian guy said. He said this. He said, you know, my life is never going to be the same again. Because the Bible says he went on the rest of his trip totally happy. This is real personal for me. And one of the reasons why we stress the importance of of baptism around here, I know in my own life the difference that it made. I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor. I remember when I was about five years old, one time my dad and mom talked to me about Jesus, and I remember praying a prayer to invite Jesus into my life. But I've got to be honest with you, I can still remember to this day, I was playing with some little plastic figurines, and I kind of prayed with them so that I could get back to playing, doing what I was doing. And I prayed a prayer, but I really didn't know what I was doing. And the next day at church, you know, my dad brought me to church, and, and, and I, I was well-intentioned. I was baptized. I went under the water, came up out of the water. But I really hadn't had any change in my life. A few years later, I really did come to know Jesus Christ. I, I was about seven or eight years old. I was in the third grade. I remember it real clearly. I prayed to receive Christ, but now I had a problem with my hands. Everybody at my church thought that I had already made a commitment to Christ because I had gone through the act of baptism. But I knew that that baptism 
didn't do any good because baptism has to be on the right side of your salvation. Baptism is a testimony that you have accepted Christ. And the first time, I didn't know Jesus. Basically, I was giving testimony of something that hadn't happened. And here's the deal. Here's what I want to say to you. There was always a sense, you know, from the time I was 8 until I was 14, there was a sense of incompletion. I knew I was saved. I knew if something happened to me, I'd go to heaven. There was just that sense of incompletion, that I had not taken my public step for Christ, stand for Christ. And I went through some years of wrestling, you know, because I'd go to church and I'd feel, you know, terrible. I'd hear the sermon, but I would know, you know, there's something between God and me. I was not going to be baptized because I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of the church and have to say, you know what? When I was five, I went through an act, but it wasn't real. I'll never forget when I was 14 years old, after having wrestled with this for years, I finally decided that I'd had enough. And I told my dad, who was my pastor, I said, Dad, I need to get my baptism on the right side of my salvation. And I know what the Bible is talking about here when it said the Ethiopian went on his way with great joy. Because I cannot tell you the joy. You know, you heard the statement tonight, I'm smiling. I know exactly what that means. I cannot tell you the joy that I had when I knew that I had done what the Lord wanted me to do in a public fashion. So for all of you here tonight, I don't know what stage you're in. It could be that Maybe like the Ethiopian, you're just saying, I'm open, Mark, don't push me. You know, don't push me past this point. I'm open, I'm here, I'm listening, but I don't want you to push me. In which case, I can't push you. It wouldn't do any good if I did. I'm just thankful that you gave me a seat on your wagon tonight. And think about this. And it could be that you're here this evening and you're saying, I'm trying to make heads or tails out of the Bible and I can't figure it out. And we're here for you. And and everything that goes on in New Spring is all about helping you know how the Bible fits together and what God wants to say to you and your personal journey. And it could be that you're struggling with Jesus because it could be that you're saying, well, I, I just think that there's some good in all religions and why is Jesus so different from anybody else? And I'm just asking you, if you don't mind, could we have a seat at the table to tell you why Jesus is so extraordinary and there's no one like him? But I could be talking to you here tonight and like while I'm talking to you and while you've heard the stories of these who've accepted Jesus there's something in your heart that says, I need that. And like the Ethiopian, I need that. I came all the way here tonight to get what I've heard. I've never accepted Jesus. Maybe you're like me and you grew up in church and it just like didn't make any sense. But tonight, it's made sense. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. And you know by faith that if you accept him, he'll forgive you. And wipe all your sins away and make you God's child. It's the free gift of God. And tonight, you're saying, hey, I understand it. I want in on it. I want to accept Christ. If that's you this evening, I'd like to ask you to do something with me, please, as this service comes to an end. Would you just bow your head and pray with me? And, you know, you can just pray silently or whatever you want to do. You can pray it out loud. But if you want to receive Jesus as your Savior tonight and know what it's like to be forgiven and to be God's child, you can follow me in this prayer and mean it from your heart. Because, like I said, I can't push you into this. Nobody can do it for you. If I would, I'd do it for you, but I can't. But if you're ready, then pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe your blood paid for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave and that you are listening to me now. Come into my life and forgive me of my sins. Make me God's child. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd like to ask you to do something You know, when you came in this evening, you received a worship folder. It looks like this.
and there's a little blue, dark blue area here where you can let me know what's going on in your life. And on the back, you can like put your name and address in some way that I can get in contact with you and address. If you pray to receive Christ, would you just let me know? Check that first box and say, today I'm praying to receive Christ as my Savior. And the reason for that is we want to give you a packet of very, very important information to help you understand your decision and help you know how to take the next steps. And if you'll put your address on there, we will mail that to you this week. But if you don't want to wait, what you can do is you can just detach this card and bring it back to guest services, which is straight back there, and just give them the card. You don't have to say anything. All you can do is just give, all you have to do is give them the card, and they'll give, the, give you the packet tonight. And you can take it home. There's some DVDs in there and some information that will help you know about this all-important decision. There's something else right below that box. Is It says, I've made my decision today to participate in believer's baptism. So maybe you've watched the baptisms tonight, and you're kind of like me. You've accepted Christ, but... There's something, there's some incompletion in your life. Maybe your baptism's on the wrong side of your salvation, and you want to get that testimony on the right side. Or maybe you've never been baptized, but this is just something that's so important to you that you want to do that. You can just check that box, and we'll contact, with you, contact you, and we'll talk to you about the possibility of when, when you'll be baptized. Other things you can let us know on this card that we can help you with, you know, dialogue with us. Tell us how we can be a help and a blessing to you. That's exactly what we want to do. Also, if you're interested in uh, Starting Point, you can just check that box, and we'll get with you this week to let you know about orientation for Starting Point. So glad you're here tonight. This is the first of three services. I can't wait for the two services tomorrow. I think I'm going to camp on the sidewalk because these baptism stories are just awesome, aren't they? They're just absolutely awesome. And I'm so thankful that we got to see this tonight. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward to receive the weekend offering. There's some envelopes in the back of the pew in front of you. And you can participate that way. Or, of course, you can give online. If you're our guest here tonight, please do not feel any pressure to participate. Uh, This offering is for New Spring uh, people who love God and love what God is doing here. So if you're our guest, please don't feel any pressure to participate. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for what... You've done in this place this weekend. Thank you for what we've gotten to experience. And thank you for the changed lives. May our lives be changed. And Father, I thank you for those who have made decisions this evening to accept Jesus or to take the step of baptism or just to show up uh, for starting point and see how the Bible all fits together. God, I pray you'll honor those decisions and encourage us to do the things that we've committed to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm Debbie Kubish. Next Sunday is the kickoff day for several great ministries here at New Spring. First of all, Starting Point Orientation will be held Sunday at 11 a.m. in the Student Center. Starting Point is all about helping you deepen your relationship with Christ. It's a casual, conversational environment that provides the opportunity for you to ask questions and to discuss what it means to be a Christ follower. Get more information at newspring.org slash startingpoint. Following the 11 o'clock service, we'll have a Judgment House kickoff meeting. Judgment House is an exciting ministry outreach that offers a place for everyone to get involved. Last year, over 400 volunteers helped with Judgment House. Find out how you can be part of this great team next Sunday right here in the Worship Center following the 11 o'clock service. Also next Sunday, Project 68 will be kicking off the new school year with a family day at the lake. All 6th through 8th graders and their families are invited to Hawker Beach Lake at 5 p.m. for food, fun, and games. Be sure to RSVP at newspring.org slash project 6 to 8. 
Wouldn't it be great to have a group of people with whom you could share your interests and passions? A group to live life together with you. GroupLink is a great place to find those people. GroupLink introduces you to the connection groups that will be available this fall and helps you find the right group for you. Mark your calendar for the next GroupLink on September 9th. You can find it on any street in America. The storybook romance between the star athlete and the head cheerleader who had a fairy tale wedding and then moved into their dream home. He is now climbing the corporate ladder and she stayed home to raise their children. Everything was perfect. Or was it? That series begins in just a few weeks, September 8th and 9th, and we just encourage you uh, to invite friends and, uh, and neighbors to come. There are, in the uh, foyer, there are little cards. We call them mini-invites. Grab some of those on your way out tonight. It's going to be an incredible series and give you strategies of, uh, of ways to make your marriage better if you're unmarried. Uh, how to prepare for that. If you're not looking to be married, I think there's strategies that will help you in every area of life. So uh, how about that? Why don't you stand up? We're going to sing and we're going to celebrate tonight the freedom that Jesus Christ has brought to our life. Let's do it.
and I want you to know it. That's an exciting thing tonight. So we're going to sing this one more time, maybe twice if you really sing good. And we're going to be excited about what God's done in our lives. We're free. Thanks for coming tonight. You're dismissed.